Welcome back to the number one self-exploration podcast in the world. I'm your host, Lord Milan, and as always, if you don't think life is weird, then you're not paying attention. This is my life at a weird angle. Welcome back to another episode of My Life at a Weird Angle. I'm your host, Lord Milan Lawazu, and as always, if you don't think life is weird, then you're not paying attention. And today I am here with a friend of mine that I met in Las Vegas when we were both betting on ourselves to be even more phenomenal, Dr. Raylene Hogan. How are you? Good. I'm honored to be here. So we, we've had a couple of conversations leading up to this, which is uh, really fantastic. You know, it gives us a bit of a rapport. But for people that don't know who you are, how did you, well, how did, what brought you to Vegas? Let, let's start there. Um. Well, I, I won um, an Outstanding outstanding Leadership Award for education, um, and I think my journey there, um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long journey. I have about 30 years of experience in um, the education field, um, but I, as I've progressed on my journey, I guess I've become more and more interested in a different look at education. And um, especially as it relates to really the experience of the educational process and not just the end goal and to really make it come alive, be engaging, make it fun even um, and really meaningful for students. And, um, you know, that's it's been a lifelong experience and journey that's taken me to the point of, uh, you know, I wrote a, a dissertation on the whole um, experience of learning and how to make it more effective. Um, I, I also homeschooled my own kids when I was, when they were little starting in uh, kindergarten and, um, you know, through my own process of teaching my own children and really wanting to make sure that they had, um, the best learning journey, um, that they could have. Uh, I learned a lot of things along the way. I learned a lot about the challenges um, that parents have in trying to uh, teach their own children. And I learned, um, you know, when you want to make learning come alive, how to go about doing that. And so I have this real passion to share some of those tricks of the trade with other parent educators and, uh, you know, just teachers in general. Um, I think that going forward for the future of education, we really have to look at it differently. Uh, you know, STEAM and STEM education is so, um, uh, you know, that's just really a popular thing. And, uh, you know, for the United States to become more competitive against other countries, um, we, there's a big emphasis on that. And that includes project-based learning and uh, experiential learning. And I think that I have something uh, valuable to share with people. I totally agree. And I love that that term. You were the first one that I've ever heard say that about the um, parent educator. And I, th I think, you know, just the way we word things really can give more validity and more substance to that role. You know, I'm a firm believer that the titles that we have are, you know, they tell a story. And, you know, when you say I'm a homeschooled or I was homeschooled, I think sometimes people can discount the importance of it and the significance of the of the learning in that environment. But but saying it that way, really, for me, it, it legitimizes it even more and, um, you know, puts that that stamp of approval on it, so to speak. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that you um, you recognize that. And uh, I actually coined that phrase in my dissertation um, because I started thinking about um Exactly what you just said. I, I think that homeschooling, that has had a long uh, history of, you know, um, you know, positive and negative connotations. And I wanted to get away from uh, the stereotypes of it. And I really wanted to give some respect to the parents who are trying to educate their children. And by the way, children who are homeschooled on average are outperforming uh, students that are in traditional schools by about two grade levels on standardized tests. That's with parents who don't have a formal background in education, but somehow they're doing something that's making this learning process so much better for their kids. And, um, you know, they might be stressed out. They might, 
and that's what I'm trying to help out, you know, is to streamline that process for them. But they definitely deserve more respect um, because they're really making a difference for their children. And we need to acknowledge that. Oh, absolutely. And, and anybody who's been spent any time in the classroom, whether that's uh, public school, private, uh, elementary, middle, high school, collegiate, whatever, you know that there, there's certain stresses involved in giving the education that that is required, but also makes a difference to the child. And yeah. it's so easy to recognize when the kid just doesn't care. <laughs> You know, and, and it's it's almost like you're trying to convince them that it matters and it's it, it can be hard um, when you don't feel like you have the right tools. And, you know, some of the stuff that we talked about with, with your app and some of the just, like you said, the experiential aspect of education, I think can really help engage the student to be what, you know, I, I didn't even hear it until college, but the, the term lifelong learner. And that doesn't mean that you just keep getting doctorate after doctorate after doctorate. Uh but it does mean that you maintain that curiosity to, to know stuff and to not just have knowledge, but to learn. And I think when we separate knowledge and learning in a way of knowledge is information, but learning is using the information. And I, th I think, you know, you're really on to something to, to allow parents and, and students to really utilize the information for themselves. Definitely, you know, and that's why I think that STEM education, STEAM education, by the way, um, for those people that are, um, that don't know what it stands for, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math, and STEAM is just adding in art in the mix of it. Um, the, I think um, the reason why that is such a big push for the future of education is, is, is exactly what you say. It's, it's about the whole experience. I mean, if you, if you want people to become critical thinkers, to really apply their knowledge, they need the opportunity during the educational process to do that, to really see learning come alive. I mean, books definitely have their place. Textbooks have their place. Workbooks have their place. Worksheets have their place. But to me, those should be just tools in the whole process. The, the process should be active learning, um, something that just really, um, it's just, they need to be able to apply what they're doing. And it doesn't matter what the subject is. It's not just science where you're doing science experience, experiments. It can be in any subject. It really needs to come alive. And when, when it comes alive for students, they're able to apply that learning to other facets in life. And and it, and, it, and it transcends even when they go into the workplace. It's a whole different way of thinking. Yeah, I love that you touched on critical thinking and really problem solving, you know, taking these mm -hmm. context clues and filling in the gaps. And I, and I think one of the, the issues that uh, did not serve my children when they were in, in public school and in high school in particular is there, there was no experiential aspect. You know, it was just very, it was very cut and dry. Um, and there was no real engagement with, with the, with the information, you know, it was, you know, you just do the work, you turn it in, you don't. And for me, my education was in, in high school anyway, and in, in middle school as well, involved advanced placement classes. And those were always a lot smaller. Like the, the ratio student to teacher was a lot smaller. And it was just like you were talking about hands-on. How can I use this? What's the story that they're telling? And I remember in my, my history class, um, in, in ninth or 10th grade, one of the two, we weren't just talking about facts and figures and dates and times. It was really, what are the motivations of these people? You know, why did they come to the new world? Why did they establish these things? Why did they do what they did? And for me, that, that helped me to paint that picture and really absorb the information as a story of people, not just facts and figures. Um, Am I hearing you right when it went, when, you know, I see that as an example of experiential? Yes, definitely. Um, that's it. Yeah. Your teacher did a great job of making it meaningful. Um, you know, one of my first experiences with experiential learning was, um, similar to yours. Um, I was in junior high and, uh, up until then I was never a fond of, um, I, I was never fond of history. Uh, it just was kind of boring to me. It was just reading the history books and, like you said, dates and facts and things like that. And um, 
I had a history teacher that completely flipped it around for me. And I ended up loving history. And it was because he made it come alive. We were studying the French Revolution and he had us all act out the parts of the people in the French Revolution. And <laughs> I, you know, I will never forget it because of that. Yeah. And and that really had a lasting impact. And that that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about is, you know, and like when I was um teaching history, uh I would do like what you say, like I, I would have the students draw parallels between uh, you know, events that they would read about in their history books and things that go on in their own personal lives and how how can they reflect upon the decisions that these um, historical leaders were making and in the kinds of decisions that they're making on a small on a smaller scale but you know it goes behind the motivations of people and what can we learn from that you know and then and then and then yeah like making it fun doing plays and uh you know role playing and uh you know i don't know all kinds of things guest speakers uh, field trips just all kinds of ways to make it come alive. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, when we think about the other aspects of of life, of, of, of children's lives, the ones that really are experiential, they are multifaceted. You know, like when when they go to Chuck E. Cheese, it's not just they're they're there standing in a room and eating pizza. It's there's lights and sounds and there's a story and there's characters and, and motivations and, and all these things that inter interconnect. And you know, for me, even when I was in my master's program, like you, once you get into graduate school, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of information to go through it. And I remember my master's exam was six hours and that covered, um, 1300 to 2006. That's a lot of information. Wow. But the thing that, that helped me grasp it was, was remembering that we were just like you said, you know, we're talking about the motivations of the people during that time, you know, what were they doing? And, and I think too, one of the things that really helped me to personalize the information was realizing the ages of some of those people, you know, like mm -hmm. when Castro came into power, you can say what you want about his regime, but he was 19 years old, you know, like what, <laughs> what, 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 what's the average 19 year old doing? Not taking over a country. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, and, and you forget that, you know, these people were were young and they were hungry and they were curious and they were bold and they were scared and, you know, they didn't have all the answers either. And I think when we when we um, relate the information that way, of course, the kids are going to relate to it because they're they're in the same place. They're trying to figure out themselves and, and capitalize on opportunities. And, you know, and rem the m reminder that we don't nobody has it all figured out anyway. And. I think that it really serves the idea of, of the parent educator that it's okay that you don't have all the answers. And here are some of the, like you said, the tips and tricks that I know will make things work better and reduce your stress level, which <laughs> we all, we all need that. Definitely. Um, that was, um, my whole dissertation, um, for my doctor program was, um, basically geared to help parent educators in that process. It, it ended up, the results ended up um, being that they help basically all entities in um, the education realm, um, whether you're an educational leader, like in a school district or politician, curriculum developer, you know, classroom teacher, it helps everybody, the results that I, that I got, but it was primarily focused on parent educators. And I, what I had in mind was basically the nuts and bolts of it is that parent educators know that there is something better that they can give their children than what they're getting in public schools right now. And I'm not saying that, you know, they can't get good educations in public schools. I'm not saying that at all. And I do have a tremendous amount of respect for educational leaders and teachers in the classroom. But I think that there's more that can happen. And there's a lot of parents that are understanding that. In fact, uh, one statistic to, to throw out there is that, uh, remote learning, which when I say remote learning, I'm basically talking about homeschooling. Um, but it can have many facets like, you know, working with charter schools that are like hybrid and, you know, it's partially online, but the parent in essence is the main, uh, educator, um, in the process mm -hmm. that element of uh, that sector of learning is the fastest growing right now in the United States. 
Um, it's doubling every year for the last few years. Uh, the last statistics I looked at was actually a year ago, and right then it was about five million um, wow. in the United States. Yeah, that's um, way bigger number than I thought it was. Yeah, it's a lot. It's growing very fast, and parents are, and it's, and it crosses all. It doesn't matter if it's a uh, lower socioeconomic, middle, upper, uh, you know, all parts of the United States. Uh, it it it's it's everyone. It's it's all facets. Everybody is seeing a value in it, and um, so it's growing. And there's a common denominator. There's two common do- denominators. One, they see the value in it. Two, it's overwhelming. Because most people are not trained educators. So it's like, I mean, all teachers who are trained, it's already overwhelming. But you can only imagine parents who have no formal training on the educational process and are trying to make sure that their children are meeting grade level standards and they have to balance it maybe with their, you know, they have other responsibilities. Some of them are have other jobs on top of it. They have multiple children, they have so many demands and making, you know, and then a lot of states, you know, they want them to hand in portfolios and make sure that they are on top of everything. It's so stressful. Um, And so what I've tried to do is streamline that whole process for them, Uh, make it really simple to align whatever activities they're doing with grade level standards to make sure they're covering everything and to also make it easy to do that really extra special kind of learning that they want to do, that experiential learning, to make it uh, the process. Because experiential learning, one of the downsides of it, it's hard to plan for and organize because it's not using just a textbook or a workbook. You're yeah. doing hands-on learning. You know, it's, It takes a lot more organization. And so I've tried to make that whole process very streamlined for people you know, give different ideas on how to do it, make it easy also to teach several subjects at once, uh, which really makes it even more in depth and come alive even more. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a, a big focus of mine. Well, that sounds one, because the, the number is increasing, obviously we, we need more solutions, you know, to, to, like you said, make it more streamlined, make it easier. And it does, it's, it is, I mean, even hearing you lay it out, it's a lot of a lot, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a lot for, for students and, and their, their families to take on. And I love though, that, that it's, it's, it's every socioeconomic level oh, that yeah. there is a hunger there to, in a way, be more autonomous. But I think, you know, when, when you want to be autonomous at the core of it, I think it, it's control. Like I want to be able to control what I'm uh, putting out, what I what I get to learn, how I spend my time, and you know we we all want more money, time, and value, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know how can I give myself and my my family more money, time, and value? Because you know sometimes you know parents too, you, we have the idea where you know we can talk to our kids about everything, but you know when you're in school, you're you're there for eight hours a day, you know, and, and that's influences that may not serve your child in the best way. Um, so I think there, there's two, there's that added benefit of, you know, if, if you're a parent educator, you know who your kids are going to school with basically kind of thing mm-hmm. um, to give you a little bit more peace of mind. But, but this, is it, are we, are we allowed to talk about the app? Is that okay? Um, yeah, we can talk about it. It's uh, it's uh, going into its beta testing uh, phase, but it's getting close to um, being ready to put out on the market. Okay, and and that's going to have, like you said, the 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 ideas in order to to make things more experiential, right? Um, there are some um, elements to, to it that uh, provide some ideas. For for instance, uh, uh, you know. One element of uh, teaching is uh, providing an engaging activity that kind of gets their interest in it. And um, I have some uh, just a different menu of uh, ideas for that. Uh, There's different ways to assess. I have some ideas for that. Um, But it's it's uh, it's basically a planning and organizational tool that helps to align everything. So making sure you're aligned with state standards 
you are um, you have different all the different elements of a good lesson in place. Um, you have all of your resources together. If you want to teach several subjects at once, it makes it so streamlined and easy to do. If you want to teach them all at once for one lesson, it just makes it very, very simplified. And it makes sure that you're, you're covering all of your bases. Um, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of the teaching process. That's exactly the word I was thinking was it takes the guesswork out and You know, when, when I was, uh, I, one of the, my classes in my master's program was modern teaching techniques. It, you know, they're always updating and, you know, making my first lesson plans and realizing just how much work it does take for a, a teacher, a professor to set up a classroom and to teach a subject. There, there's a lot of T's to cross. And like you said, there's standards to follow as well. You know, you can read a book all day, but if it's not hitting the points that, are, are necessary for the, the standards to be uh, assessed, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Exactly. Uh, so like, you know, that having that built in to let you know that it's one thing to think you're doing well. It's another thing to know that you're doing well. <laughs> um, and that, and that definitely gives you that, that peace of mind that, you know, Hey, this work, this new endeavor that I'm taking on is not only worthwhile because I believe in it, but I, I feel guided along with it. And I think, you know, that's going to be a welcome sigh of relief for a lot of parents, I imagine. That's what I'm hoping. You know, I what I'm really hoping to, to come out of this is that parents can provide and teachers, too, because that's a, that's the whole conversation that we haven't even really gotten into. But, you know, teachers in, in classrooms, they would like to provide more experiential learning. But again, for them, even it's a lot. It's a lot to plan it out. It's a lot to coordinate with community. It's a lot to get it approved. It's a lot to get the resources So I'm, my goal is for whoever the educator is, particularly parent educators, to allow them to do that extra special kind of experiential learning and to make it so that they can do with ease of mind, they can enjoy the process and, uh, you know, they can get back some time in their life besides just teaching. This is going to buy them time. And, yes. you know, so that's, that's another added benefit to it. That's awesome. I, I just left this conference. Well, it, it wasn't really a conference. It was like a, this immersive experience. <laughs> I'm, I'm never even sure how to describe it. Uh, over these last four days in, in New Jersey and uh, with this company called Unblinded. And, oh. you know, their big thing is, is everybody wants more time, money, and magic. Mm-hmm. And time, obviously, that's self-explanatory. Money is self-explanatory. But magic is really just the things that you want out of life and out of your experiences. You know, you you may want to spend more time outdoors. That's more magic. You may want to have more meaningful conversations. That's more magic. Uh, you may want to enhance that curiosity element within your your children. That's more magic. Um, you may want to just have a, a really great work environment. That's more magic. And like you said, you know, having more having apps like this and, and you and I'm sure other contributors to this project just add more fun and more magic to the experience of learning. And I, I can't remember exactly who it was that said, I never let school get in the way of my education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes like the, the standards of how it's been does not work now. Like you said, there's there's the necessity for for growth and change and and new elements and new ways of doing things so that we we can be competitive not just, you know, in our own communities, but, but as a country and, you know, give us, you know, some USA pride here, because when you look at the numbers, USA is, you know, number 25, 26, 27 and lower in a lot of these categories of, of education. And, yeah. you know, this could be, I, I, you know, people taking the reins onto themselves and, and establishing that both in and out of the classroom, I, I think is uh well needed to say the least. Definitely. I love your description of giving back the time and the magic to the families yeah, for education. I mean, you and I wouldn't be, you know, have have our graduate degrees if we didn't believe that it was worthwhile, you know, that yeah. you can actually do something that that's really meaningful with it. And um, yep. I'm glad that you're using your 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 education, your degrees, your your studies, your your hard work in that in that realm in a really impactful and, and, and big way, because there's that joke, you know, oh, I have all these degrees, but I don't use them. You know, <laughs> I, 
even my brother has a before he got his master's degree, he he never used his undergrad degree, his bachelor degree. Um, he got it in in uh, substance abuse, but he's been a restaurateur his whole life. I'm like, well, <laughs> all right, um, okay, I guess you can spot an alcoholic um on the job. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I'm using my master's, it was in linguistics and language, and I, I obviously use that with my coaching and my clients and really just my interactions with people to be more effective in my communication and really examine the words that we use like peer edge or uh, parent educator. And yes. with you, you know, using your, your education for that meaning to, to make the experience of learning better is, you know, it's commendable that it's not just for the world of academia to, to applaud ourselves, but rather to, to make the experience of education better overall. Thank you. That's that's definitely what I'm trying to do, and it and it, it is it is great to be able to use the different uh, degrees that I've I've had um, in a very purposeful way. So I appreciate you uh, seeing that. Yeah, because you know you got to acknowledge that hard work <laughs> because <laughs> it is not easy to to go through grad school. I, I I used to tell my wife, you know, you can go to college for a, an undergrad degree for for any for numerous reasons. But graduate degree, you have to do it for yourself. You know, it, it's too much work. It's too much time. It's too much effort to be doing things for other people. And, and for it to really matter to yourself, I think is super important. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Your 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 motivations can change slightly with each degree. But yeah. Right. Like, what am I doing this for? <laughs> <laughs> so, but but that's great, though. Um, what does it feel like now that you're starting to see things be beta tested and it goes from you know, the ideas or the problems that you saw. And now you're like, well, this is on the verge of, you know, solving these problems. It's exciting. You know, um, uh, it's a bit nerve wracking uh, because, you know, this is the first time I've uh, put out a product like that, but I really believe in it and I'm passionate about it. And the team that I've been working with uh, also believes in it and are uh, we're excited about, we're already talking about the you know, the version updates that we're going to do and the different, it's creating like, really, um, we're calling it not just an app, but a whole system. We have a vision of where it's really going to be an entire platform uh, for parent educators to really um, just make a difference for their lives. And so I'm excited about it. I love that you said platform. That's one of the the other terms that was brought up this weekend during that event of like having that platform where you can uh, give where you can invite, where you can express and really showcase, you know, that time, money, magic and how it works for you and how it can work for other people. Yeah. Plus it gives you a bit of like, you know, I can say what I want kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when it's your platform, you don't have to wait for, for other people to, to upload it for you kind of thing, you know? Right. Like, well, oh, we believe in this. We're going to add this or, or we saw this wasn't working. We're going to take it off. Kind of yeah. Thing. And it, it's great when you have that that ability to do that and not wait for, you know, wish that somebody would change it kind of thing. Yeah, that creative flexibility, that is nice. Right. So what you, you talked about, you know, the, the journey of it all going from, uh, you know, being that parent educator for your own children to, to now. But what kind of truths have you discovered within that that journey and that process or maybe even within yourself over over these these years of uh where you got to now? Wow, that's a loaded question. Um, okay. <laughs> um, you know what? I have always been passionate about education. I mean, I can remember when I was a very young child and I would play school with my stuffed animals. I had a, <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had I had a desk in my room and I would set my stuffed animals around it, and that was my teaching desk and. I used to have like my siblings and my friends be my students as we got older and I would tutor them in their subjects. And I just, I love seeing people be the best that they can be. I love seeing that growth. And uh, it was awesome, uh, you know, being able to teach my own children for a number of years and, um, you know, plant that seed in them. I'm very proud of them. And, uh, what they've accomplished in life. It's amazing. Um, and that, that kind of stepped it up another notch for me. And I, 
I got to see a lot through their eyes of, um, you know, the value of, you know, really making ex- learning an experience and, and uh, you know, can be fun. And uh, when I started um, teaching, you know, uh, more in the classroom, um, I took a lot of those philosophies with me. And I realized that, you know, some teachers think that if, if, if students are laughing and if they're smiling and if there's a little bit of noise, that learning must not be going on. But I believe that's not, that's not true at all. I think that sometimes the best learning is when it looks like that, when children are laughing and they're smiling and they're talking with each other. As long as you are guiding that conversation and you're guiding what's going on in the classroom, that those are the experiences that they're not going to forget. And we should not shy away from, you know, making those really magical learning experiences that are fun and memorable. I think that's one of my my biggest takeaways from it. Um, the teachers need to be okay with that. And that and the classrooms don't have to look sometimes learning can look a little messy. You know, it doesn't have to look so picture perfect all the time. Um, you have to, you know, um, it, it takes, it's a little more stressful for the teacher, uh, you know, because it's not, everyone's not just like sitting like in their little perfect rows in their desk with their heads down, looking at their paper. But that's not necessarily what's gonna, you know, if you really want something to last, studies show that learning is at a much higher level when there's some kind of emotion involved. So if they're just looking at pencil and paper, there's no emotion in that. You know, you got to make it real and you got to make it come alive. And I guess that's one of the biggest takeaways for me. I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, sometimes, like you said, learning it, learning is messy. And, yeah. you know, just like the podcast, like My Life at a Weird Angle, sometimes education is weird. You know, how, yeah. how we came along things and why we say what we say and, and um, you know, how things came together of, of even, you know, looking at math and science, you know, for when you look at it, it, it's almost ridiculous and silly what we used to believe in the scientific community. You're like, oh, no, duh. You know, of course I wouldn't think that. But at the time, that was that was the pinnacle of, of knowledge. You know, it, yeah. just looking at, at that way and it only makes sense to. Uh, create more fluidity with what works with the people that you have and meeting the students where they are because you know they're so used to being able to have a lot of different choices and a lot of different things to interact with and when you close off all those doors of possibility and you call it education I think you're doing everyone a disservice for sure definitely so what has all this taught you about Ray Layton you know what? Uh, I, you know, it's a, you know what I love um, is life is a daily opportunity for growth and to become a better version of yourself. And, uh, you know, I've always kind of felt that way, um, but I'm learning that it's, it's just constantly manifesting in my life. You know, I, I think that I will be 80 years old God willing, and I'll still be trying to somehow improve myself and grow. And uh, I feel like, you know, I'm at this stage in my life. I have a grandson, and uh, I I feel like I'm growing probably in more exponential ways than I have in a long time. I'm I'm taking bigger risks. I'm feeling uncomfortable in a good way, but I'm also you know growing a lot. And I'm I'm hoping that. It's very humbly uh, to be vulnerable and to try new things, but I really hope that as I'm growing, I'm able to somehow, uh, you know, make a difference for other people. And then all of that, you know, discomfort that I feel or that, uh, you know, feeling, I think we have talked with you, like I feel raw or whatever, light, or like you say, life at a weird angle, that it will all be worth it. And somehow I can make a difference for other people. Yes, definitely. And, and two, you know, looking, taking the time sometimes to look back at, at the journey of, of where you've been and to, to where you are and really looking at those details. Cause I think they, they can really speak to who we are and who we've been and, and give us the clarity that we need to, to look at it like, oh, well, 
you know, chapter four sucked, but you know, I definitely got some <laughs> stuff out of chapter five, <laughs> you know, it, it, and seeing it that way of, like you said, it's, it's, it's the growth of it all. You know, we are the product of our choices at any given moment. And, um, you know, seeing it as this worthwhile story that we're telling with our life and our decisions for me, that that's allowed me to just really see it as a, as a cool story and a fun one and a crazy one and an interesting one and, you know, a sad one and a happy one and, and all those things. And, uh, you know, not shying away from, from the ugly parts because they're also necessary. That's so true. You know, when I think about like, uh, you know, part of what really got me passionate about the whole parent educator journey was, uh, you know, um, if you want to talk about like challenges and turning them into triumphs, you know, uh, well, the reason why I started homeschooling my own children was, you know, um, my son, who's my oldest, um, he, he was advanced. So he was doing super well before I put him into kindergarten in a public school. And, you know, he was, both my children were reading, I think like three letter words, like, like little small books, like before they were four. Um, and so he went into kindergarten already at that level when a lot of kids didn't even know their alphabet yet. And he started regressing in kindergarten. He he was just like, he wasn't challenged enough. And I, we, we were seeing this, uh, you know, this wasn't cool. It wasn't good. He, uh, we talked with the school about it. Um, and their solution was, well, let's just put him in a higher grade. Well, that was halfway through the school year. I was very frustrated it wasn't, um, we didn't like how it was going socially because it was just, nothing was just, he just, he, he should have been with older kids, but uh, it was too late to do that. So here we are with a big problem. It was very stressful. And we made a big decision that, uh, you know, let's, let's try homeschooling. Let's see what happens. I had some, uh, you know, training as an educator. I was younger at that time. Uh, my degree, my first degree was business education. So I didn't have an elementary degree, but I had an education degree. I said, well, let's try it. So we thought, well, we'll give it six months, see how that goes. It ended up going really well. He did super well. I was concerned about the whole social aspect that a lot of people are with homeschooling. Um, but uh, there are so many avenues out there, uh, ways to get the socialization aspect. And he got that. And he just started really thriving with that. And, you know, one thing led to another. Seven years later, I was still homeschooling him and homeschooling my daughter. Um, you know, it, and uh, so we turned a, a challenge that it was was really stressful at the beginning into something cool. And now, many years later, 20 years later, look at what I'm doing. I'm helping parent educators. That's awesome. Yeah, I think some of the most amazing things can start with what you don't want. And yeah paying attention enough to identify that and not just saying, oh, well, I don't like it. And then that's it. I'm like, um, hello, you should <laughs> probably keep going. There's a solution there. And yeah. that's something that I've learned too in you know, big and small areas is that identifying what you don't want is just the precursor to glory. You know, like you're noticing the problem because I think you're, you're able to at least participate in the solution. Yeah, like you said, you stuck with it. And, and when you said that your son started regressing after he got into school, it reminded me of, of my son. When I came into, uh, I married a single mom. And when I came into their life, they were, the twins were 13. And when he went off, he, brilliant kid um, in college prep as an eighth grader, which is fantastic. And yeah. when we got into high school, his freshman year w was good, you know, quiet and did his work and was really excelling. But as he progressed, I noticed that his grades started going way down and it wasn't because it was hard. And it wasn't even because he didn't want to win. It was because he was so underwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times like it's, it's easier for, for kids these days to be underwhelmed than overwhelmed. You know, they're, they're used to dealing with a lot of stimuli and, mm -hmm. you know, when, when we created more challenges for him and more tasks for him, even just small stuff around the house or before he went to school, we noticed that he would excel better because he was using his mind more and he was making decisions. Like you said, the critical thinking aspect of, I'm not going to give you all the solutions. I'm just going to tell you what to do and assume that you can at least attempt to figure it out. And that's really served him and really well. And he's, he's very creative now. And 
running a YouTube channel and going to college and starting all these art projects. And I'm just like, well, good thing we stuck with it. <laughs> like you said, you know, you stick with it long enough, something great comes out of it. Yeah, that's cool. And and I also like what you said about, um, well, first of all, kudos to your son and to you guys for um, sticking with it and getting him to this point that he's doing so well. And then the other thing that I like that you said was, uh, well, basically summarizing what you said, you know, it's, it's he was feeling underwhelmed. And I think one of the big uh, issues right now is in making education meaningful. That's the thing that this is like, it's like what you're saying when when students don't feel that the education is meaningful, they might be fully capable of doing very well in, in a class. But if it's not meaningful to them, they just their mind wanders. They don't apply themselves um and it, they don't do well right yeah it's just yeah like it's the worthwhileness of it all you know yeah. we, we joke that like oh you know i i studied all you know geometry in high school and i never used it ever again um but for well for me being in a chair i use geometry all all the time <laughs> these angles are not right <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know for, for me like geometry and trigonometry and it in the upper math that that I, I did in high school and college while i'm not a mathematician in my day-to-day -day life it did help me to figure out patterns and i think that served me in every situation of being able to figure out patterns and you know manage my money and you know i think my teachers did a really good job of that of of making math practical that mm. even if you aren't a math teacher you're going to use numbers your whole life it's better to, you know, have an understanding and, and a flow that you can create with your own so that, you know, because too, if you ask people if you want to be rich or poor, they're going to say rich, but you won't stay rich if you don't know how to deal with numbers. Right. You will be poor very, very fast, you know, and you, you see that with lottery winners, they'll go from 50 million to $50 in, in like two years. Oh. Um. And, and like, you know, like we're saying, it's just, you know, making it experiential and making it practical, making it useful, making it fun, because you can have fun while you're learning. And I think, you know, taking off that that label of the stodginess, the the, the rigidity of, of what we think about when we think about education um, is, is really helpful. And something that I, I heard someone say recently is that there's a big difference between being educated and having an education. Mm -hmm. And you know, being educated, you can have the degrees, you can go through the, the courses, but having an education is like, okay, now this information is useful to my life and it matters. I don't feel like I wasted my time because no one can get time back. And, you know, having that experience, like you said, and being able to mix and match and, and learn multiple things at, at the same time, I think that really feeds and, and fuels the growing mind to a place where, you know, it's it's unimaginable after that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm just sitting here reflecting on some of my, uh, you know, experiences of being a student as well as teaching, and some of the the ones that um, uh, were the best and and uh, most magical. Um, uh, you know, I think about like uh, one college class I took. Um, the teacher was, she told us on the first day. Uh, there will be no finals there will be no tests there will be no homework assignments and you can all know that you have an a in this class and the only way to not get the a is if you just don't show up each day and just put in your full effort into the class during that hour of class that was it and uh i was like what this is a, such a different way of thinking and it made I'm, such a... I'm so confused and scared. Like, <laughs> and I was like, this is like, what? Like, there must be a catch. Right. And it was, I mean, I've taken a lot of college classes um, throughout my life, and that stands out as one of my all-time favorite classes I've ever taken. Every single time I came to her class, it was so packed full of inspiration and valuable teaching it, it was just amazing and everybody was engaged yeah and uh it was so cool like it was just and she it was, she mixed it up we had fun and we were at this point this was during my master's program so we were all teachers you know and teachers sometimes are like they're the worst students it's so funny 
Uh, you know, we, we complain about our own, our own students complaining. Well, we're the biggest complainers when we're in class on time. So usually we're trying to get out of work, all this kind of stuff. No, not in her. It was just, it was just awesome. We did role playing. We did, uh, you know, just, she would story tell. It was just, it was so amazing. And, um, you know, that's what learning should really be about. That's what I, and you know, when I was teaching in my own classroom, one of the reasons why I got so into experiential learning was, you know, when you spend so many days teaching, like you want, you want the experience to be cool too. As a teacher, it's like, you don't want to, for me, it's like, I didn't want to just teach out of a textbook every day. It was, that's just too boring. And so I'm like, well, how can I make my day? How can I, how can I make my day more fun? And how can I, how can I make it more interesting for myself even as a teacher? And I'm like, well, let's do something like, let's make the experience really cool. And that was kind of one angle I came at it. And, and then I put myself in my, in my student's shoes and I was like, you know, what's going to make this really come alive for them. And, and that's, you know, that a lot of that was, um, you know, just my motivation of how I, 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 ta I taught in a way that was very different than a lot of teachers. And I did get some backlash on some of that but you know what they did really well in their standardized test scores so you can't argue with the results and uh you like that there. <laughs> yeah ex exactly talking about why are my teaching techniques so there i look at these <laughs> records <laughs> yeah they did super well they pro they all progressed so much every year and um they were having fun having fun doing it and i was having fun teaching them and uh that has been a huge motivator for me to help other teachers do that and to help parents do that. And I, I've learned a lot along the way. I basically had to teach myself how to do that because universities don't have classes, uh, you know, may, I, I don't know, unless they're starting to develop it. But when I was going through school, there were no big classes on experiential learning, how to make classes more engaging, how to collaborate with community and education, you know, how to tap into resources that are available to, uh, you know, have experiential learning. There was no, there wasn't anything on that, but I taught myself. And um, so I, I understand and I have, you know, 30 years of it. I understand how to do that. And um, that's why I feel like I have something of value to share with people. Oh, I, I definitely, you know, it, it is not difficult at all to see the value in, in this type of learning. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons that it's been so successful and, and why there are such avid contributors on, on this project is because you, you can just recognize the, the value, like you said, in it. And, you know, authenticity is one of the things that have, has been proven to be 4,000 times more powerful than joy. And they say that's the reason why you can reckon, you can enjoy a song in another language without knowing what the song's about, because you're you're absorbing the authenticity of the singer and the awesome authenticity of the words. And, you know, when you're in a classroom setting, when you're in any learning setting and people are there and they're engaging and it matters and there's value, that authenticity is just running rampant. And I think it, it's so much easier to absorb it. And, and like you said, there's, there's moments in your education history that really stick out because of that. And, yeah. you know, that, that adds a bit more magic to it all. And, and the worthwhileness of, of all that effort. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that, that came to mind though, when you were talking about the experiential aspect of it all is when I was teaching for Upward Bound in Spanish in order to, you know, it's during the summer and it, you know, I don't want it to be stodgy. I don't want these kids to feel like they're stuck in, in my classroom for, for hours on end. So with Spanish, one of the lessons that we did was, was on flirting. It's like, all right, well, let's learn how to flirt in Spanish. Oh, and, yeah, there you go. That's a perfect example. Yeah, and, and the kids loved it. They were like, you know, stuff like, you know, the how you doing? Like, but in, <laughs> but in Spanish, it, you know, even play around with accents. I'm like, oh, well, if you're from Argentina, you would say it like this. If you're from Dominican Republic, you might say it like this. And, you know, high school kids, they really got into that. And it was, they were so, they were using that all the time. And I was like, I'm your teacher. Don't say that. You know, like that's that's for some boy that you like, and I'm not the boy. Um, mm -hmm. 
but you know stuff like that of, of like it doesn't take a lot to to add experience to it you know um, yeah. and and when the teacher the instructor uh can can play with it a little bit and i think we all need a little bit more play in our life definitely because it's um one of the things that i i love about my wife and i our relationship is that it it is fun you know she's a fun and funny and weird person this night <laughs> I, I enjoy seeing her, you know, live, live life and see life through her eyes sometimes. And it's, it's just fun to, you know, add that bit of, of enjoyment. I think, you know, just because things matter and that they are serious, does not mean that you can't enjoy them too, you know? Yeah. And that's like, when you talk about the magic, that's what brings the magic into it. Yes. And I, I remember thinking years ago that I was like, oh, you know, gypsies are pretty interesting. Maybe I'll marry a gypsy because they're magical. And <laughs> And maybe she'll be Greek and like, she'll have like all these magical qualities and mm. I'm married my wife and she's not Greek, but she does use a lot of Greek seasoning and <laughs> she's not, she's not get do magic, but like she, I do think <laughs> she's magical. So, you know, I, I think I still got what I wanted in some roundabout way, <laughs> but, uh, you know, much like you, you know, with, with, with this process of, of the app and the teaching you found the elements that really stood out and mattered to you and you stuck with it. And like, how can I make, how can I bring these elements into what I'm doing? And, yeah. you know, now you're in a place where it's like, yeah, this, this is a really great experience for everyone involved that that's going to use the, this app and use this system and use this platform, which, you know, we're, we're all better, better for the people that think outside the box. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thinking outside the boxes. Yeah, Definitely. Definitely. Well, sweet. I, I loved our conversation. That 50 minutes flew by. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't believe it's been 50 minutes. It has been. And uh, I, I, yeah, thank you for your time and, and just, you know, giving us a new model to um, embrace while we're, we're becoming better for ourselves and better for, you know, all the, all the gifts and ideas that are, that are to come. Thank you. It's been an honor uh, talking with you and I appreciate the opportunity to share some of these ideas for sure i think you know we're all better off when when people share more of their insights um and everything seems more doable i think when you don't feel isolated and, and this is definitely there to, to help people get rid of that feeling appreciate that sweet well okay dr uh raylene hogan i will uh edit this audio out and send you the link in a couple of days it'll be on spotify and itunes and all the whatnots and what have you is pretty soon. Super cool. I can't wait to hear it. Awesome. Thanks. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Day One Mindset. Are you confused on where to start? Well, here, beginners are welcome. Day One Mindset will guide you and provide you with detailed steps so you can start your journey to success. For more information, visit dayonemindset.com.